Welcome back to the Clayton Castle podcast. I am so honored and so excited to be joined by my next guest. He is one of the winningest head football coaches, high school football coaches in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. He spent 20 years at his alma mater, Highlands High School, over in Fort Thomas, Kentucky. He spent time at Sycamore High School and Withrow High School. I am, again, honored to be joined by Coach Dale Mueller. Coach, how are you feeling today? How are you doing? Great. I'm still recovering from the Bengals' loss, but I'm doing good. I think we're all recovering over the Bengals' loss. <laughs> yeah, it was a great season, though. You know, they completely turned it around, and a lot of great things are coming. So I want to start off here with just asking, you know, a lot of people probably ask you this. How's retirement treating you? Well, it's great. I mean, I love being a high school teacher and a coach, but now I'm really pretty much a full-time grandpa. I have eight grandchildren, seven of them are local, and I just spend a lot of time every day with them. You know, you retired from coaching, teaching, athletic director in your 50s, and you cited to spend time, more time with your family. Talk a little bit about what family means to you. Well, you know, really, I always wanted to spend more time with my family. Uh, one of the reasons I became a teacher was I really expected that to give me more time to spend with my family. And then I got to become a head coach and athletic director, and that took a lot more time away. And um, it's it's been such a great joy for me to be able to get up every day and uh, that be my whole focus day after day. That's awesome. And, you know, grandchildren, my dad, who was also a Highlands High School grad, 1976, he has four grandchildren, and he just says it's, it's the best thing to ever happen to him, our grandchildren. How do you feel the, yeah, same, the same way? Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> without a doubt. Uh, you know, you. I certainly love – I've got two sons and two daughters and my wife. You know, I mean, I love them. Um, but you, you never really have – enough time in your day to be as good a husband as you can be, to be as good a father as you can be. But when it comes to being a grandparent and you're retired, you can just be all in. That's awesome. Now to go from your present family to very early coach, coach Mueller, before you were coach, let's just go to Dale early days, Dale. What was Growing up, Dale, like what kind of person were you? What kind of kid were you? And then ultimately, what got you interested in sports? Uh, well, I guess starting out as uh, as Dale, um, I my parents were both from Newport. They moved to Fort Thomas when I was four. Um, my my parents were you know both wonderful people. They, they actually got divorced when I was in elementary school. And so I was with, I live with my mom and Fort Thomas. Uh, my dad just, you know, he, he loved me, was so proud of me. Uh, but my mom just adored me. And so I got maybe a little bit of an overinflated view of myself because my mom just, you know, thought I was 
was such a wonderful person. She used to say I was a math genius and I wasn't, but I believed her because that's what my mom said. And so I really felt, I really feel indebted to my mom for, especially for just, you know, feeling so loved growing up and having a, 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 a high self-esteem and, and from that, I was able to make friends, you know, for my friends really were what was so important to me. My earliest friend was a guy named Paul King, who at six years old was so advanced. We would go in the woods and we would find crawdads, <laughs> catch them, and then he would make me release them and put the rocks back the way they were because he would say, we don't want to mess up their natural habitat. <laughs> So this is a six-year-old kid using the word natural habitat. And he was, he was just so advanced. Our parents all smoked and he would call them uh, cancer sticks. And so again, this is a six, seven-year-old kid saying this in 1962. Um, he had a, a book that he, if he found a word he didn't know, he would write it down and put it in a sentence. <laughs> and so, and he had such a phenomenal vocabulary. And so I guess early on, my friend Paul really influenced me that to have friends, to like people, uh, to be a good guy. And of course, then I was also raised right at the time as the Beatles started getting big. Mm -hmm. And so I love the Beatles. Uh, all you need is love. You know, um, that was a big influence in my life. And then I liked playing sports, too. My dad loved baseball and I loved baseball. Baseball was definitely my sport. I um you know, was really good in little league and high school. And I played in college, wasn't so as good in college as I was in high school, but, but I just love, especially playing baseball. And I also played football and basketball. That is awesome. Now you were a two sport athlete at Highlands. You played, like you said, you played baseball, you played football and you actually won a state title, I believe playing football at Highlands. Highlands is all very already kind of rich in football history before you even became head coach there. What's it like to win a state championship as a player versus winning a state championship as a coach? Well, I think ultimately sports are for the players and I loved winning them as coaches. Um, but it, but it's especially fun to win it as a player because you're actually doing, you know, you're the one on the field doing this stuff. Uh, it was fun for me, but really, honestly, the winning a state championships for me wasn't what it was all about. It was just being a part of a team, making friends, liking guys. Um, I played four years of high school football with you know, as a freshman and then varsity for three years. And I liked all the years very well, whether we won the state championship or whether we didn't. I love being, I just love being a part of teams. 
Speaking of teams, I, one thing I did a little research on your background. And one of the things that kind of took me by surprise was that, you know, you're known for being one of the winningest high school football coaches. You played football in high school. But when you went to college, you actually went to college to play baseball. <laughs> so was baseball growing growing up, was baseball you know, more important to you or was it more special to you than football? Oh, without a doubt. Baseball was definitely my sport. I, my life revolved around baseball. If they would have had fall baseball when I was in high school, I probably wouldn't have played football. <laughs> I liked football, but I really liked football being a part of the team. Mm -hmm. but, but baseball was really my sport. My senior year, I was offered with the Houston Astros, a free agent contract, oh, wow. which, which sounds cool, but really back then there were, you know, maybe a hundred rounds of the draft. I mean, I don't know. And I wasn't drafted. I was offered a free agent contract, which, you know, which was um, minimal. And I didn't want to do that. I went to college and played uh, baseball in college. Um, but really wasn't a, you know, a pro talented kind of player, but I loved playing base baseball. So do you still follow baseball to this day? I assume you're a big Reds fan, probably being from this area. Uh, you know, especially you graduate from Highlands, I believe in the, in the seventies. I don't remember exactly. 73. 73. Um, so you grew up with the big red machine, obviously. So I did. What, you know, what, Johnny what are, Bench was the catcher when I was, when I was there and he was super talented, really my favorite baseball player growing up was a guy named Veda Pinson. Mm -hmm. He was a center fielder played with Frank Robinson. I love Veda Pinson. He was a left-hander. I was a right-hander, but he sort of had a pose to when he stood in the batter's box, he'd sort of rest his chin on his hands. And I would do that to, to sort of emulate Veda. I just loved watching him play. Okay. So now that poses the question, why coach football and not baseball? So I, when I graduated from college, I, I had sort of a void of athletics. And, and I don't know what it was, but I, I started to run. And I had a good friend of mine named Chris Callen that was a really good cross-country runner, actually ran at Harvard. And I ran with him and I just got, I got where I wanted to be a marathoner. So I was working for the Lincoln Electric Company that makes welding equipment. And I was running all the time. I would run, I had a year where over the whole year, I averaged 80 miles a week. I mean, I was oh, wow. running all the time. There was an eight week period where I ran 801 miles. I ran a 239 marathon, which is averaging like 605 a mile. So I was just running all the time. And I decided to become, I wanted to become a teacher. And my mom had had cancer for years. Uh, she died. And, and that wasn't the, by any means, the whole reason, but that clicked it for me. And I decided to become a teacher. And actually, if I would have if I would have picked a thing to coach right then, 
it would have been cross country. <laughs> as funny as that sounds, but here's a football coach who really wanted to coach cross country because I was just into running at the time. I thought it'd be fun to run with, with the, the students. And I, I got a job at Newport high school because my high school football coach, Mike Murphy had gone from Highlands to Newport. Mm. And I called him on a Sunday in August to tell him I was going to go back to school and get my teaching certificate. And I, I had already met with the people at the University of Pittsburgh. We were living in Pittsburgh at the time just to tell him what I was doing. And he called me back two days later, said a science teacher had quit at Newport. He had talked to the superintendent and they would hire me on an emergency certificate if I wanted to do it. Oh, wow. So my wife was awesome. I did it. And they had a position open as an assistant middle school football coach. <laughs> they didn't have a cross country team at the time at Newport. So I said, great, great. Yeah, I'll be an assistant middle school football coach. You got to start somewhere. <laughs> yes. So our first game, we lost like uh, 34 to six or something. <laughs> and the guys were just frustrated and they were acting inappropriately and throwing their helmets down. And I said to them, look, you guys aren't behaving correctly here. And they're saying we should have beat them. And I said, I agree we should have beat them. But, you know, I've only been here a week. I'm no expert on this. I've only coached for a week, but you haven't really been listening to Coach Cunningham all week. We didn't really know our plays. We did the wrong thing. We could have beat that team. I said, if you guys would practice like better and listen to Coach Cunningham, we'll win the rest of our games and we'll beat this team in the, in the playoffs. And so I said, well, you know, what do you think? And they said, yeah. So we won the rest of our games, played that same team in the playoffs and beat them like 42 to six. Wow. So I just got the like coaching football. You know, I, I sort of fell in love with being a football coach because I really felt you could make a positive impact on guys as a football coach. Right. And, and football, you know, football attracts just some really good guys. But football also attracts, I mean, troubled guys that like to knock people down and maybe are being jerks in school. You know, I mean, uh, football is a game where people knock each other down. And um, um, certainly when I was in high school, I had a sort of a, a troubled period, got suspended from school. The coaches uh, were really rallied behind me. They were going to not let me play sports anymore at Highlands. And the coaches, the, the administration was leaning that way and the coaches rallied behind me. And so, so I really felt football could make a positive impact, especially on guys that need it. And you certainly don't need football to be a successful guy. Um, the vast majority of people in the world never played football and the vast majority of successful people know, you know, you don't need football, but Football could be a means to help some guys be more successful. So I really like then 
being a football coach. So your first head coaching job was at Sycamore. Was that Sycamore or Withrow? Withrow. Withrow. What was that? What was that experience like coaching um, at Withrow? Well, it was wonderful. Um, it was really life changing for me. Um, when I was at Newport, I was at Newport for two years, and the head football coaching position opened up. So I'd been that middle school assistant. I'd been a varsity assistant the next year, and I applied to be the head coach at Withrow. And they said, first of all, they only apply, they only promote from within. And you really, really haven't had much experience. And so I said, what do you mean from within? They said, well, we try to get people from within the Cincinnati public schools. And I really wanted to coach in the Cincinnati public schools. Mm-hmm. So I applied and got a job as a, a teacher at Western Hills High School. Most people call it West High in Cincinnati, which was in yep. the, uh, Cincinnati public schools. I got a job there and I was a teacher and assistant football coach at Withrow. I mean, at West High. And my second year, I was a head coach. And I I had this view, really, that um, positive motivation works. Mm -hmm. You know, I think coaches often are too negative to guys and and being positive. That was sort of my that was my view that if you were positive, good things would, would happen. People responded to that. I respond to that. I think most people respond to that. So two years later, the head football coach at Withrow left and I became the head football coach at Withrow and absolutely loved it. I still, you know, my, my barber was a guy on that first Withrow team. Um, it, it was really a life-changing experience for me because the guys at Withrow were just so incredibly positive for me. And <clears throat> it was really a, um, a great thing for me personally. You know, I grew up in, in Fort Thomas, where at the time I, maybe everybody was white. Um, and I went to college at Cornell and the vast majority of people were white there. And when I worked for Lincoln Electric Company, you know, I really had a sort of a narrow view of the world. And and I got the job at at, uh, Withrow and we had maybe 60 guys on the team. And I think one of the guys was was a white guy. And the guys at Withrow were so wonderful to me. Um, You know, they knew here I was a minority but they knew what it was like to be a minority. And so they just treated me so well. And, and it's something, you know, that in my life, I'll never be able to repay those guys for how much, how well they treated me. And I was still sort of in deciding whether I wanted to be a teacher in coach mode, but it was those guys that were so good to me that I just really, uh, I just really love being a teacher and coach. You know, you said you worked at West High, you worked at Withrow. If only you had worked at Walnut Hills, my alma mater. We could have been. I love Walnut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My one of my daughter in laws graduated from mm-hmm. Walnut. Fast forward now to 1994, and you get the gig at your alma mater, Highlands High School. 
which had already won, I believe, 10 or 11 state championships before you had even gotten there. Was that a little bit of a daunting task, knowing that Highlands already had a rich football tradition? It was your alma mater. Did you, was it, was it intimidating? Was it daunting at all to go back and try to be successful at such a rich program? Well, um, not, not really necessarily. You know, I, I never thought so much about all of the, all of that so much. I, I really have always thought about it as, is just teaching or coaching the people in the room. I never really cared that much of the name that was on our uniforms. I really cared about the people that I was coaching and I did truly want to have a positive impact on people. My mom was just a phenomenal teacher. She really truly wanted to be good to other people. She was my, you know, my, without a doubt, my big role model growing up. I always wanted to be like my mom. And, and so, um, it, you know, the, if we didn't win or didn't lose, I mean, I, I wanted to win games, but, but that really wasn't going to be the true measure, measure of success for me. Really the true measure of success was if I was having a positive impact on the people that I was teaching and coaching. You spent 20 years as head coach at your alma mater, Highlands High School, with it, and you finished with a 250 and 36 record. Wow, 250 wins um, at one school. Remarkable, 11 state championships. I think I said earlier. What was the? Is there a moment at in your coaching career at Highlands that was just you can say is probably one of the most special moments you've had? Um, ah, gosh, one of my most special moments at Highlands in 20 Um, years, there's probably a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, I liked having a positive impact on, on people. I think we all can have a positive impact on people in various ways. I think often coaches maybe get a bigger pat on the back than other people do for, for doing similar things. You know, I was a high school coach and, you know, you're interviewing me uh, like I've done something special And there's people who are, you know, whatever, uh, being doctors or lawyers or, you know, like you communicating with people and and giving people more knowledge about uh, various topics. I mean, I I think people do a a lot of really good things. And um, and I, I think I feel good about being a high school teacher and coach. Um, but you know, not like that. I really did anything more. I I probably get more publicity for it or back then I did, but I don't really see myself doing 
anything differently than, uh, you know, the person that delivers mail or, uh, you know, whatever does. Well, and I know, you know, that's very humble of you to say, you know, I know you don't like talking about yourself and all and um, the success that you had as a football coach. You like to talk more about the success of the young men that that you kind of helped bring up. Um, but the impact of Highlands football on the on the Fort Thomas community is immeasurable. I mean, as someone who I didn't go to Highlands, I was not raised in Fort Thomas. Um, but some of my greatest childhood memories came from going to Highlands football games in the late 90s and in the 2000s. Um, every Friday night, my dad, again, a 1976 graduate of Highlands, he would go every Friday. He, we would travel with the team. We would, we would go to almost every game. And some of the most special moments I had was my dad would pick us up from school. I, I was a CPS product. And then we'd go over to my my grandparents' house over on Dumfries Avenue, um, and we would have pizza with my grandparents. And then my dad would take he uh, take us four boys to the Highlands football game every single Friday night. Um, so that rallies families. It rallies Highlands football. Rallies a community. Um, you know, Highlands football is the fabric. Is the fabric of Fort Thomas in the fall, um, you know, same as like a, going to a pumpkin patch. Like it's something that you do have to do every fall. Um, and I just want to say from a personal standpoint, because you are the coach, you're bringing up not just winning football teams, winning players, but you're bringing up great men um, in the process. You have, you have you an immeasurable, immeasurable impact on families and in Fort Thomas. So I just want to say, cause I know you won't talk about it because you're a very humble guy, but um, I, so I just want to say thank you for all those memories. Um, as, as well, I appreciate it. Coach. And you know, you know, actually I lived on Dumfries. Oh, well um, someone told us that. And uh, cause I believe they told us you lived at the very end of the street, I believe. Very end. If you go straight down, you run right into it, yep. and and your uh, that was your grandparents. Yep, they lived lived about you know more than about three quarters of the way down on the right. Yes, the the very small house, the small house there yes. on the right. Yes, uh, yeah, they lived there, uh, you know, up until they they died, and the uh, my grandmother died in two thousand eight, and then my grandfather died in two thousand nine. So yeah, um, I remember that. I. I uh, probably we ran into each other on Dumfries. Oh, probably we when we would go to my grandparents, we'd also play football in the middle of the street, um, pretending that we were Highlands football players. <laughs> That's neat. So, um, yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know, it was. Uh, I mean, that was certainly a really enjoyable thing to do, and and. Um, and, we, you know, we all I, I worked really hard at it. Yeah. Um, we would spend all year long. Uh, doing a, you know, a wide variety of things, getting ready for it and doing everything we could to make the guys as successful as possible. And mm -hmm. um, and a lot of guys went on to do, you know, 
be very successful and I think made big growth as a result of being a part of the team. And, and I do feel was good for the, for the entire community. I think the guys uh, worked hard to be good role models and, and treat other people in the school. Well, you know, I think football players can be uh, really good guys in the school or they can be jerks in the school and, and I think it's important for them to be good guys in the school because in general, you know, they're the, they're the bigger guys and it's important for those guys to sort of step up and say, we're not going to be jerks. We're going to be good guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about a couple of the guys you did coach though. Um, these are guys who went on to be successful in the field of football. Um, what was it like to coach the late Jared, the late great Jared Lorenzen. It was an absolute total joy. He was just so fun to be around. And he was a humble guy. Mm -hmm. Um, He was a guy that really didn't, wasn't looking for it to revolve around him. Uh, He was looking to do what he could for the success of the team his senior year we played in the state championship game and they played us to pass they their coaches basically said you're you won't have jared lorenzen and run the ball in the state championship you're gonna pass so they played us just a full out pass defense the whole game and we only threw maybe four or five passes the whole game and beat him, I, I want to say, 56 to 6. Mm-hmm. And he wound up running the ball. And, and you would think a guy like that would say, gosh, we didn't pass it. You know, I'm Mr. Kentucky football. He didn't care. He was so happy to be a part of the team, do what he could to help the team. I mean, it, it was really a total joy coaching Jared. He was just a good sweet kind person with just a with just a great heart you know i you know you mentioned my sister-in-law Corey. she knew jared a little bit as well and you know says a lot of the same things that he was nice he was a joy to be around a humble guy um and then i've heard that a lot about him um and he also went on to have a very successful career at uk hold still i believe still holds a lot of the passing records there um, and you know, I'm just so glad that he also got a Super Bowl ring with the Giants. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. He was a great football player, had an absolute cannon of an arm. I used to say, if you were 50 yards away from him and you had a gun and he had a football, you would be at a disadvantage <laughs> because he could just fire it. He he was he he could absolutely fire a ball. I want to be on. They've got a Peyton and Eli Manning show on Monday Night Football. Yeah, and Eli came to to Jared's funeral, and you know, I just happened to be by the door when Eli walked in, and I said, "Eli, I was Jared's high school football coach," and he just loved Jared, and mm-hmm. I said. I knew Jared as Mr. Kentucky football and the best of everything. 
But I bet Jared was a great backup too. And Eli, he's got tears in his eyes. I mean, I almost start crying right now just talking about it. But he said Jared was the absolute best backup in the world. Oh, wow. He said he was so positive. He felt that Jared was truly trying to help him be the best he could every day. Where you're in the NFL, you know, if you can beat out the guy ahead of you, that's going to be millions and millions of dollars for you. You don't know, you know, you're not, you don't, that person in general isn't really your friend. He's your competitor. But for Eli, Jared was his just total friend, total supporter. And, and that's really who I, I tells you who Jared was. Wow. What a fantastic story. When you hear those kind of stories, it kind of goes back to, you know, not necessarily um, coaching good football players, but coaching great men. I mean, Absolutely. And it sounds like Jared, Jared really embodied that. Absolutely. You know, teams, schools didn't start having sports to see which teams can win. I mean, you know, you play the game to win, but the organizers of schools knew that half the teams were going to win and half the teams were going to lose. They didn't have sports uh, for the, just, just, you know, to win. Uh, they, they didn't want, if you lost that to be not successful, they had it to develop those type of attributes to be a you know, to help you develop being a good person. And Jared, Jared just bought that completely. Wow. The amazing stories about Jared Lorenzo. Now I want to move to another great, successful player for Highlands and was a great player for his college team. Still holds many records until this past season. Uh, Gino Gadouli. <laughs> what was it like to coach uh, Gino? Well, Gino was also, you know, just an absolute uh, joy to coach. Gino was a sophomore and Jared was a senior. And so, you know, Gino wasn't going to start as a sophomore over Jared. Right. And actually in the class ahead of him was another really phenomenal quarterback that, that Gino wound up beating out. But that guy was a was a great quarterback too. So so Gino became a starting quarterback as a junior. And Gino as a freshman wasn't like Jared. Like Jared, as I said, if if you Jared had a, a cannon as an arm as a freshman. And Gino really didn't. Gino was a normal freshman who just had a picture of himself being good and was going to work as hard as he had to, to get to be really good. So he wound up that, I mean, he just had a phenomenal career at Highlands. His sophomore, junior, senior year, we won the state championship every year. He um, went to UC and got injured early in the summer, his junior, his freshman year. And then wound up overcoming the injury, wound up being the starter by the time the season started and then started, you know, started there all four years and was just phenomenal. And 
has progressed so well. Now he's the offensive, offensive coordinator, coordinator at UC. I'm so proud of him. Yeah, no, that's awesome. When you, um, I don't know if you got to watch, I'm a UC season ticket holder. I'm diehard, lifelong Bearcats fan. Um, when you saw um, Desmond Ritter, did you see any, you know, because before he was recently promoted to offensive coordinator, he was the quarterback's coach, and I think is still the quarterback's coach. Um, did you see any of Gino in Des Ritter at all? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Gino was a guy who, who, uh, who tried hard. Um, Gino's dad is a guy who trains athletes. Mm-hmm. You know, he's trained professional athletes. He really grew up with, with that, that sports were very important. And so Gino was a guy who was, was a gifted guy, but certainly though a self-made athlete. He got better all the time. He was way better as a, as a freshman than he was as an eighth grader. I mean, each year he made a substantial improvement. He continued doing that in college. And you could see that the same with Desmond Ritter. You could see Gino's influence on him. And Gino is also a, an excellent student. Um, he's a very intelligent guy. And, but he was a tough guy, too. He was a guy that, that um, nobody would mess with. And so, so sometimes you saw him as that tough guy, and you don't necessarily picture that is an intelligent guy and really a, a sensitive, nice, sweet guy too. You, uh, and, and so now him is, as a coach, you know, it just doesn't surprise me the influence that he has. And, and on Desmond Ritter, I really saw that with him. I saw him, I think, taking those leadership qualities that Gino has and that intelligence, um, leadership skills i really saw that in desmond ritter what was your favorite thing about coaching not coaching football not coaching baseball just what's the one thing about coaching that really kept you going kept you driving each and every season well it really started you know i guess with my mom um and that first team i coached at at Newport and really the guys at Withrow, how well they accepted me is that uh, sports and especially football. And it's certainly not the only thing, you know, you could be, I think being in the school play can do the exact same thing. Uh, I think there's a whole variety of things that can have the same positive impact on you but being involved in something can have a great positive lifelong influence on you and maybe it's um maybe you like being in the chess club and maybe it isn't even a club maybe it was some particular friends you had whatever but getting involved in something can really have i think a positive lifelong impact on you and um, uh, you know 
really goes back to my mom. I felt like she had such a positive impact on me because she just loved me so much, you know, and, and, um, and I think being involved in something that you feel good about, uh, you value your friendships with others, it can just really make a positive lifelong influence. And I, and I especially like being a football coach um, because a lot of guys come out for football that are deciding who they're going to be. You know, a lot of guys come out for football and they're already just wonderful guys. They're going to be first in the class and they're going to volunteer to, as a crossing guard. But there's also a lot of guys that come out for football because you knock people down and, and they're often maybe, you know, the bullies or even the punks in school or they're having troubles. And being in, involved in a team can maybe have that impact that changes their life around from living a life where they were going to be a troublemaker to one who's not going to be a troublemaker. Do you miss it at all? Well, I, I'm not a miss it kind of person. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes I hear people talking about, you know, you got to be a goal oriented person. And, um, you know, I never really had, I mean, I was never a goal oriented person. I just, I sort of live what I'm doing today. I enjoy today. Um, and, and people are looking back kind of people, you know, oh gosh, I really like doing that. Um, I mean, I, I really enjoyed being in education. I, I, I loved being a teacher. I loved being a coach. Um, I really, you know, I did. Do I love, I love being a coach as much as I love being a grandpa? <laughs> No, <laughs> you know, if I could have been a grandpa and uh, from the time I was 20 and had an income coming in, I may have picked being a grandpa the whole time, Aww. you know, so, so uh, I certainly love doing it, but, but if I said, I sit around, you know, I, I think, gosh, I wish I was still doing it. I wouldn't be telling the truth. Yeah. I mean, I love doing it. I'm glad that was my profession. Um, but to say I miss it would not be true. Since your retirement, um, Highlands has, let's just say, not been as maybe successful as they were under, under your tutelage. Um, did you ever think about coming back at all in, in, the, in the past, what's it been, eight years now? Um, no, <laughs> I never think of coming out of retirement and, and working for a living anymore. <laughs> um, when, when I, I was retired, you know, for, well, right before I retired, my oldest granddaughter, Meredith, was born and I came home, you know, and I'd get home at eight o'clock a lot. And then I often I'd have meetings and things to do at night too. Yeah. But I got home at eight o'clock and I said to my wife, what, um, what have you been doing all day? And she said, oh, Meredith came over. 
she was, you know, maybe two. I saw when she come over uh, around three, when my wife got off work as a teacher's assistant, uh, when she leave, uh, she just left about a half hour ago. And I thought, oh my goodness, my granddaughter has been here for four and a half hours and I missed it. And so, so I, so I don't think about going back now. Chris Collinsworth has been a friend of mine when uh, when I was coaching our wide receiver coach was was uh, going to UC and he left the area and we needed a wide receiver coach. And I called Chris and asked him to do it. (laughs) And he coached with me for two years and was absolutely awesome. I mean, he's got the Midas touch. Everything he touches turns to gold. He is purely just a good person. And he asked me if I'd work for pro football focus part-time after I'd been retired, just a couple, you know, uh, various hours a week, five to 15 hours a week. So I was doing that. And my one grandson, George says to me, when I had a, I had to leave him and go do this thing for pro football focus. My grandson says to me, Grandpa, why did you have to unretire? You know, well, that was the end of ever working yeah. at anything ever again. Because uh, I, you know, I, I said, you're right, George. That was dumb of me to unretire. I'll, 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 solve, I'll solve that. Well, Coach, this has been an absolute blast. I didn't even get through everything I wanted to ask, but I also want to be respectful of your time. It's almost been an hour already. Wow. Um, I know. I, I, I can't believe I feel like I could talk to you for hours. Apparently, um, you've been spotted at a uh, let's just say an old Fort pub of there in Fort Thomas before. So maybe I'll have to we'll have to get a drink sometime because my brother and I we used to go there all the time when I when I moved back from Minnesota a couple years ago. So <laughs> that would be awesome. You've got my number. You know, I have been hibernating for the last two years. So have I. <laughs> um I haven't really been doing anything, but you know, I'm, I'm double vaccinated and boosted and I've also had COVID. So, so I think I'm as immune as I, as anybody can be. And I'm really looking forward to getting back and having a real life again. (laughs) Well, we'll definitely have to do that. I'll bring Corey along as well. She can leave the babies with my brother. So that would be great. (laughs) That'd be wonderful. Coach Mueller, Coach Dale Mueller, thank you again so much. This has been a blast, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the Clayton Castle podcast. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Coach Dale Mueller as much as I did. What stories that he told. Man, hearing about Jared Lorenzen and Gino Gadulli and just his career as a high school football coach. One of the winningest, not just in Kentucky, but nationwide as well. 11 state titles with the Highlands Bluebirds. And I was so honored and blessed to have him on the podcast to talk about that success 
on the gridiron. Now, next week, we have another big episode coming. We have our first repeat guests of the season or of the podcast. I will be welcoming back Rodney Meterspall and Zach Farrell. Now, these two dudes were on the podcast last year, but when they were on, they were just running for Middletown City Council. Well, they have both since been elected to the Middletown City Council. And so we're going to have a great conversation about some of the biggest issues facing the city of Middletown and what they plan to do about them. So I'm excited for that conversation. I hope you will join us. Remember that you can follow the podcast, like the podcast, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. You can also find us on Facebook at the Clayton Castle Podcast. And I just want to say thank you again for your support, and we will talk to you next week.